Today, we're going to be talking about deepfakes, audio deepfakes. In 2017, motherboard reporter Sam Cole first wrote about deepfakes, which used machine learning to put the faces of celebrities on the bodies of porn actresses. New, similar technology can let us fake someone's voice. So anyways, we'll be talking about how that's possible. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. No, really, I'm Ben Maku, for real, trust me. Okay, that was obviously not Ben Maku. But for this episode, we're exploring the nature of deepfake audio by, of course, making a deepfake of our beloved host. I am, for real, Motherboard Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler, and this is Cyber. Ever since we started reporting on deepfakes in late 2017, we've wanted to make a deepfake to explore how they could be used. The technology, which relies on machine learning and generative adversarial networks, has rapidly improved in the last few years. It's gotten tons of headlines. It's known as a deepfake, a new sophisticated way of making fake video using artificial intelligence. Jordan Peele created this fake video of President Obama to demonstrate how easy it is to put words in someone else's mouth. Audio deepfakes, specifically, have been used to impersonate a CEO and to steal $240,000 from a company. Earlier this year, we were able to get our hands on a deepfake that was used in a scam call, which was analyzed by a security firm called Nisos. Uh, Pedro, this is I need your immediate assistance to finalize an urgent business deal. Companies have also used deepfake audio to, for some reason, impersonate podcast hosts Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson. Tired of people telling me that chimps are not capable of kicking human ass in sports. And Barack Obama. It got me thinking about my full-time employees and their ability Some of the deepfake artists at the forefront of developing this technology are a collective called Databots, which makes AI music and can also deepfake voices. Databots are CJ Carr and Zach Zukowski, who are most famous for automatically generating death metal, skate punk, and a series of other genres, and streaming it live on YouTube forever and into infinity. We're CJ and Zach. We're Databots. We met as interns at Berkeley College of Music. I was doing computer science. Zach was doing music tech. We kind of did a skill swap, uh, and we have both sides of the brain now. They also, generously, agreed to help me deepfake Ben. It's not an easy process. First, I wanted to get a sense of where AI music came from and how it all fits within deepfakes. So this is my interview with Databots and more deepfaking Ben. What are, what are the different sides of the brain? What are your specialties? Yeah, I, I specialize in music theory and signal processing, music production, uh, CJ is a really amazing guitarist and computer scientist and uh, great at algorithms. So we put those together and try to see what we could hack together. Yeah, we, um, our first project uh, was at the uh, hack, uh, the Music Hack Day MIT in 2012, and we made SoundCloud bots. We uh, SoundCloud was there. We announced we were going to destroy SoundCloud with bots. Um, and, but they were music bots, music remix bots. They would go out, Spider SoundCloud, find music to remix uh, into new styles like chiptune. Um, and we would just post them, it would post a hundred times a day until it got banned. 
<laughs> nice. So Databots has been putting out computationally generated music for the last few months. Is that what you guys call it? Is, is computationally generated music the, the correct terminology? Or what are you guys calling this at, at this point? Uh, the, the popular term now, it, they just call it AI music. And so how did this start? Like, if you go to your website, it says you're generating free jazz via live stream 24-7 to infinity, um, beatbox, grunge, metal, skate punk, etc. Uh, it says that you make raw audio neural networks that can imitate bands. So how, how does this work? And what does it sound like? So we uh, first took a speech synthesis engine called SampleRNN. Uh, and, and this later became uh, the Lyrebird service that can make uh, s- s- voice imitators. Um, so we we started with that research code and we expanded it like three times the size. Uh, made a lot of changes to the um, to have it support music. And the very first thing that it was really good at was black metal. <laughs> And so we, we started putting out uh, generated black metal albums on Bandcamp, uh, and that, that was great. <laughs> um, and it worked really well for free jazz. Uh, our, one of my friends is the UK champion beatboxer, uh, Reaps One. Uh, we worked with him to do uh, a documentary on... Uh, AI beatbox. Beatbox worked really well. So, yeah, all these genres of music that we just really, really like uh, turned out to be the strengths of uh, this kind of synthesis technique. Um, and uh, in, the, in the historical context of synthesizers, you know, we have like additive, subtractive, granular synths, the things in like the Yamaha keyboard. Um, the things running, you know, massive, all the dubstep producers, etc. Um, but now this is a, a new phase of synthesis we're in, where uh, where we use neural nets, and they're really, really good at learning to imitate anything. They sound really good at sound, uh, sounding like live bands. And so this really, really excites us. We, we publish research, uh, we publish our results on this, and, but most of all, we love working directly with artists to create great, provocative uh, pieces of content, um, or just make whatever we really, really want to make, like death metal. <laughs> so you mentioned that, um, the, that certain genres lend themselves to AI music, but... Why is that the case? Is that because of the way that the music actually sounds, or is it because the corpus that you're training it on is deeper? Or, or I mean, I guess wh- why has this worked so well with a couple of genres so far? Yeah, we think that the sound of the genre and the structure of how it's played have a big part of what contributes to the quality. So we've noticed that noisy genres with a lot of acoustic distortion and reverb, um, organic sounds have tended to do very well with our sample RNN approach. And 
Um, part of this is because the aesthetic of these genres kind of contribute to uh, a bit more of a lo-fi aesthetic and atmospheric sounds, but also the very fast tempos um, and some of the more adventurous rhythms that you would hear in experimental and progressive music. When you hear that back as a generated kind of like soup of this <laughs> random sound, uh, it actually holds together in an interesting way within the context of these genres. Right. So um, we're going to talk more specifically about deep fakes and, and um, simulating a human voice in a minute, but like, how do you make music? You're essentially feeding a huge sample set into a neural network and asking it to spit something out on the other side. Like something happens in the middle and, to be honest, I, I simply don't know what it is. Uh, right. So uh, in practice, um, you can do this by downloading code from GitHub. Uh, you can run it on, on a server that has a GPU, or you can run it for free on a collab. Um, and you're giving it some data set, and this is going to be music. And for us, we might give it one album by a band, or uh, all the acapellas, by one singer, or uh, in the case of large projects, it could be ten, you know, ten thousand songs. Um, and so, what is the neural net doing? It's in a in a simple way. It's it's learning the patterns in that music. It's finding those patterns, uh, and then is able to replicate those patterns uh, in new music. Um, and in a, in, a, in a more detailed explanation. Um, it's it's uh, the these the neural synthesizers. They're learning a probability of what's going to come next in the audio. They look at the raw acoustic wave. It's just a uh, amplitudes, you know, crests and troughs of of uh, amplitude, and it's predicting like where's that going to go? Uh, you know, is it up, down, to the side? Is it going to look like a saw wave? Is it going to sine wave? Is it a kick drum, a transient, that kind of thing? at a very, very low level, just making those predictions. Um, and to generate, uh, at, at each step, it, there's a, is a probability. It's like it gives you the probability. I'm like, okay, it, it could be like, 80% chance is gonna do this next. 10% chance is gonna do this next. Uh, and so you, you write an algorithm that picks from that probability. And you can either pick the most likely thing, um, or you could pick it more random. And you get w w very, very different outcomes in the, the aesthetic of the sound that comes out based on that. So a few weeks ago, uh, we sent you an email saying, hello, please help us. Um, we have our uh, lovely host of this podcast, Ben McCoo, who uh, probably enjoys pranks getting played on him. I'm not sure if he will uh, enjoy this or not. We'll play it for him soon. But I came to you and I said, hi, can you uh, help me clone Ben, essentially? And you guys said yes, very generously. So A, thank you for saying yes. And B, um, let's just talk about like what you needed from me in order to clone Ben. Sure. Uh, so we used Tacotron 2, which is a really, really nice and really accessible for developers to, to do voice cloning. The, the, the most time-consuming part of doing voice cloning with Tacotron is creating the data set. So what you need is 
many, many slices, two to ten seconds long, of audio, clean audio of one speaker speaking, uh, along with the transcript, what they said uh, at each slice. And you need an hour of this. It's very time-consuming to, to do transcription. There are automatic ways to do transcription, but they're lesser quality. Um, the best results are, are going to be, you know, human-made. Uh, so, this is what your audio engineers uh, generously did for us. Um, and we took that data set, fed it to Tacotron, uh, trained it on, on a GPU. We can actually, yeah, tra train it. Um, it doesn't take too, too long to do this if the data set is clean. And uh, we start with a pre-trained model that has, it's a female speaker. The examination and testimony of the experts enabled the commission to conclude that five shots may have been fired. It's the LJ speech uh, data set. It's very, very common in speech research to, to use LJ. Um, and so we start from that uh, model that already knows that female speaker and then we continue training it. So it already kind of knows some, something about converting text into speech and now we're just changing that the voice uh, in this case into Ben and it, it does it f fairly quickly. So uh, in essence are we morphing LJ into Ben by teaching LJ what Ben sounds like when he says certain phrases? I mean is that too simplified? Uh, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, another term that they use is a catastrophic forgetting. <laughs> so that this, this net originally had seen lots of LJ, totally forgot about LJ, all it knows is Ben now. Uh, but in that transition period, there's a handoff. It's called transfer learning. So we sent you, as you mentioned, uh, one hour of Ben speaking, which uh, thankfully Ben speaks a lot, uh, especially on this podcast. He, he never knows when to shut up. So we have a lot of audio of Ben speaking and it's high quality audio because it's recorded, you know, in our studio or more recently um, using, you know, a microphone for this podcast. Um, we chopped it up into four to 10 second clips, transcribed it, and then you guys ran it through, um, through the system, through the algorithm, through um, Tacotron, as you mentioned. We sent you these four to 10 second clips why does the algorithm uh, or the model need the audio to be these short clips versus uh, a full hour straight of, of audio? Uh, sure, because uh, uh, the, the output is going to match the input. So it, it's, it's built for these small utterances, and that's the use case of speech synthesis usually. Your, like, you know, your Siri... Um, is really only going to say a phrase or a sentence at a time. That's why the data set looks like that. Uh, that's why the output is like that. For uh, other models like sample RNN, where it's unconditional, you're not giving it any text at all, you just want dozens of hours of raw audio to sample from, uh, then you don't need to cut it up like this. You can just give it a full hour. Um, and th this is how we're making free jazz and death metal. <laughs> So does it matter? I mean, we sent you an hour of uh, of him talking. Does it matter what he's saying during during that period? Like, you know, if you are trying to decipher if a font looks good, you'll use the sentence, you know, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog, over the lazy brown dog, I believe, because it has every letter in the alphabet. Are you trying to get a data set that has a wide variety of 
you know, utterances, like different types of words, different intonations, or is that something that just sort of naturally happens when you have an hour of uh, training data? Yeah, I think that the, just the sheer amount of data takes care of uh, having examples of all of the syllables. It, that, that should basically do it. Um, yeah, I guess there. once we've actually, uh, in a music contents text, uh, when we have generated, we also check to make sure that it's generating lots of types of output, not just one uh, chorus over and over again, and it hasn't overfit to one specific part. So that is a, a consideration uh, when you go to evaluate these models to make sure that they are capable of a wide range of expression. But the general approach is to just make sure that you have enough data to give lots of examples of uh, different things to learn. So in this case, like when you are generating music, you are telling the uh, the algorithm to predict that what comes next and to create its own music. Whereas if you're making a deep fake of a person, you're making a tool that will uh, allow us to type anything. It's a text-to-speech thing where a human is telling the voice what to say and what to do. So um, it's matching Ben's voice to the text that we're putting in versus generating text on its own. So we're not trying to recreate Ben in terms of, we're not trying to make a personality for Ben, which would presumably require the computer or the algorithm to like have a much larger um, data set to, to sort of study the types of thing that things that Ben says and then spit them out in some way. Uh, here, it's just sort of like an open book where we can type in whatever we want and have him say anything. So in that sense, it's a little bit different than generating AI music, I would assume. But I don't know if I'm totally off base there or if that makes sense. Like, is it a fundamentally different problem or, or not? Uh, it, it is different. Because um, yeah, here we're wearing Ben like a costume. And we call it, you know, conditional training. Um, but like you, like you were saying, uh, if we also trained a language model, even just on the transcript you, you gave us, which we can actually also do pretty quickly, um, we can generate text in the style of Ben's interviews. And then we can put that through Tacotron, and now we have something... <laughs> kind of in the uncanny valley, maybe something that he <laughs> might not be totally comfortable with or completely fascinated with. So what you're saying is soon I can completely replace Ben with a computer. <laughs> <laughs> All we needed was an hour. And yeah, complete, completely automated. So uh, you guys sent me earlier today, uh, you know, a clip of, of what Ben sounds like, and I was blown away. Um, is it possible for you to play something, play Ben to me now? Do we, do we have the technology? Yes. I, I could show you some pre-generated things right here. This is an example. Here I go. Well, that's crazy. That's uh, really insane. This is my voice. This is really my voice. So yeah, <laughs> I'll fill the Bob Lords. It sounds like him to me. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> it even has him laughing, which is great. You can you can type ha ha and he'll <laughs> You've essentially created a tool, like a web tool where we can type anything we want and it and Ben will say it. Correct. Yes, it's uh running in a Jupyter notebook on our server. 
uh, and Jupyter Notebook. That's how we do our Python machine learning development. It's, it's a really nice code environment. Uh, it's visual. It's interactive. You can play audio inside of it. Uh, and, and it's good enough that you don't have to be a coder. I'm like, we're just going to have you log into it and generate. And that's the, the easiest way that we can have you that's play incredible. with That's incredible. So um, can we talk a little bit about what, what it sounds like? Like, that sounds like Ben to me. It, it's very close. I would say that the um, that it sounds like a little bit grainy, maybe, and that is that's something when I've heard other audio deepfakes, it often sounds like a little bit grainy. Like it definitely captures the texture of the person's voice, but like I just I think that if I was on a cell phone and that was coming through on the other side, like I probably couldn't tell the difference. Um, but when it's like, if you're in the room with it, you can kind of tell that there's like maybe a little bit of a robotic quality to it. And I'm just curious if you can talk a little bit about like where you think the technology is right now and, and maybe why it has that texture to it and whether that's something that, you know, later v- versions of this algorithm or are we t- trying to get rid of that, I guess, um, when you talk about where this technology is going. Right, you're gonna get some artifacts. Uh, it's just like when you look at a JPEG photograph, you see the artifacts or digital music. You know, your CD is gonna skip. It's got glitches. Uh, you know, neural content also has these artifacts. And there's right now in 2020, there's an upper limit to the sound quality that these synthesizers can create. Uh, researchers they have this mean opinion score uh, thing where they give people uh, real audio and synthesized audio and they rank them and so far it hasn't reached human level but it's pretty close Uh, and in the example of the Ben Tacotron actually the longer we train it the more and more realistic it's going to get yeah, and I guess that state of the art is always being pushed where we want these things to be fast to generate so that they can work on our phones and different devices like that. Um, but then you bring down the audio quality um, so that you can do it faster. And, and that's kind of uh, the balance that uh, the researchers are still working through right now. What do you, like when you see this technology and how it's being used for, like you guys are obviously using it for art, you're using it to generate music. Uh, you've essentially if not created, you're, uh, you know, one of the pioneers of a new genre of music, AI music, which is incredible. And I think something that like anytime you can create a new art form, I think that's amazing. But when you think about like the societal implications and what this might, what this technology might be used for, what makes you excited and what gives you pause, I guess? Yeah, I think all of the artistic potential, the democratization of creativity, giving people a voice and uh, new expressive power who haven't been formally trained or had uh, access to instruments. This is all the stuff we're really excited about and we're pushing this. Um, And I think that art is a safe place to even look at the negatives. And there are a lot of things that do scare us about it. It could, of course, be abused for a lot of things. I think the visual has had a lot more obvious implications right now, as you mentioned, like abuse of women um, and all these celebrity models that are pre-trained on a lot of famous people uh, make it very easy for people to to do these types of things. And I think that I, I want to always highlight that 
we can show some of the weaknesses of these algorithms um, by exploring them as artists. And it's really important that artists are involved in the development of these things. Um, if we just have the researchers working on it, they might be optimizing for one specific thing they're building. And I think having a lot of different minds on this helps us to be more fair and understand the good and bad uses of it. Um, where it could be very scary to talk about all the ways it could be abused politically. And we already see politicians who are trying to regulate it. They're kind of like panicked that they might be made to say something they didn't. Um, and I, I would like to basically like use music and art as a way to criticize and also build up the positives and negatives and use this as a way to explore uh, together. Really, if somebody's critical of what AI music might be, uh, if it's good or not, I, I think that's a good thing. And we, we should kind of approach it with a certain level of uh, skepticism to begin with, too. I mean, w w once the, the, you know, the hardware catches up, uh, you know, this will be running on people's phones. And I want, I want to see, you know, five-year-olds on the throne of the most powerful music synthesis engine ever. Uh, and, that, and they're driving it just, just through by choosing their influences. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I want to see kids making music that no one else has ever imagined. And it could get, it could become so prolific that this just becomes the norm of how people communicate with each other in the same way memes have. And uh, on the other hand, I, I love, like, you know, what the artists we work with have, have come up with. For example, we ran a uh, artist residency where we featured Hexer Sismos, an artist from Mexico City. Um, who had, was part of the electrocumbia scene and is now working in AI? We just we gave him a, a server for the summer to do whatever he wanted, and he he trained uh, a large model on 40 gigabytes of um, pre-Hispanic music, and, and he's all about you know bring bring the past into the future, you know bring all this really cool like ritual music, um, um, and. Uh, you know, let's not get drowned out by the dominance of Western music. Uh, and and then and then another artist, uh, uh, Reaps one, the beatboxer. He sees this as like his, uh, as as like a his second self, and he likens it to a chess opponent. And just like a really good chess opponent, that's the talent is you to up your game. It makes you a better chess player. That's what he saw in his beatboxing bot. It, it challenged him to push him to do things he's never ever done before with his voice. And that made him better at, at his skill. Yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting to me is the fact that this also raises a lot of questions about obviously the nature of personhood and the self and all these sort of like very far future um, things that we think about in science fiction. I mean, obviously, you know, people have been exploring what does it mean to, to be cloned? What does artificial intelligence, you know, what happens when we approach the singularity, things like this. And it, it, this is allowing us to confront that in a, a very like early way, but a very real way, I think. All right, do you see this? Uh, I do, yes. Great. Okay, uh, I'm gonna send you the link to this and the password to this. Okay. Um, so basically, you can just ignore all this stuff and scroll to the bottom where it says generate. Mm -hmm. uh, here is where you type in the text. Okay. Uh, 
And then pretty much you, you do shift and enter. And, you know, after only a few seconds, here we go. Oh, that's crazy. That's uh, really insane. There's a lot of things I could say with this. <laughs> and there you go. That's the cell guide. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th this checkpoint thing, uh, it, it like 1,000 is the early, like earlier in the training, 7,000, 8,000, uh, or 7,000 later in the training. You can experiment with that. It, it's going to sound slightly different, but 5,000 sounded pretty good. Okay, let's try something. All right, what, what should this say? Oh God. Uh, hey, this is hey. I'm Ben Maku, and you're listening to Cyber. Would be good. It's M A. Oh yeah, that's good. And you're listening to Cyber is good. It's M A K U C H. I wonder if it can say a, a proper. Yeah, that's right. He says it all the time, so that'd be that'd be interesting to see. Oh right. Okay. You're listening to Cyber. Okay, let's try it. And hey, Makush, and you're listening to Cyber. It's Makush. Yeah. It's close, though. He sometimes, like, says it like that when he's talking fast. Uh, well, say the correct pronunciation again. Maku. Maku, okay. It's like French, yeah. Ma -ku. Uh, yeah, sometimes go. spelling yeah, it out phonetically like this will will help. Okay. And Ben Meku, and you're listening to Cyber. Yeah, that's that sounds like it. And Ben Meku, you're listening to Cyber. And Ben Meku, and you're listening to Cyber. Right, you you can play with it. Yeah, so you just hit generate like a few different times. Is that because I mean, is it slightly different every time, or or, or no? Yes, every time you generate, it's going to sound slightly different. Okay, that's very interesting. With the deep fake of Ben and Toe, it was time to show it off to him. a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for memorial day get 15% off your burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor that's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast All right. All the while, President Dent Trump. I mean, to be the great hacker. Mandan's order keeps his word. Hi, <laughs> Ben. Hi. <laughs> Hello? Wow, that's freaky. How are you doing, Ben? Ben. Oh, man. This is like, this is the, like the Siri version of me. Without me doing any of it. Are you having a good day? I don't know. Are you having a good day? 
You mind your own goddamn business. Every day is good for me. For me. Every day is good for me. For so, uh, Ben, what do you think of uh, of yourself, of speaking <laughs> to yourself? Uh, that is like, I thought it was going to be worse. Honestly, <laughs> you, that like, it's pretty accurate. They did a really good job. They did a really good job. Wow. So, uh, have you ever been deep faked before? I've never been deep faked. That's yeah, amazing. I think so, yeah. So, do, um, do they have like a stream where it's just like me talking and not being like hello? Yeah. Um. I have. Uh, I have something I can play for you in a sec. So that. So uh, that was I'll, based off of like all of like just a bunch so, of audio. So what we did was we took one hour of you talking on this podcast, which was luckily like very high quality because we used good mics and stuff like that. Uh, and then Kato and a couple of other producers chopped it up into four to 10 second clips uh, because it needs to basically like have natural pauses essentially. And then uh, as it was explained to me, this uh, they have a language model or rather they have like a, a Siri-esque voice that um, basically they were able to make that... Uh, that AI forget the voice that uh, it had and replaced it with your voice. Wow, that was like, because it's like, it's really good. That's one of the best deep fakes I've heard before. To be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty, just to be honest, like it's a pretty involved process. Like we like rented out server space on a supercomputer and we trained it for like days and days. So this wasn't like a, hey, we're going to take like five seconds of your voice and run it through a, a website and see what happens. Like they are proper AI people. That's crazy. So one thing that they did do that I think is very cool is uh, they also trained your language or they trained you, you speaking. They basically took the one hour of you speaking and ran it through a language processor as well. Um, and that language processor uh, was analyzing the content of what you said. Okay. So, uh, Are there any results? There's, yeah. So I'm going to play it for you. And uh, this one I, I think is creepy. Are the days when you could just walk into a country and investigate immediately and get something? It just seems like almost no one cares. No one cares about it. And yet there's been tons of reporting done on this, on this issue. Some of it is actually quite useful, for example. In an interview with me today on the show, I broke down exactly what happened between the U.S. and Japan to see what happens with this in the future. It kind of makes you wonder about what happens with the, the sources of Anonymous that we know about and whether or not Anonymous is actually a threat to the internet. Not just the internet, but also all over the place. Okay. So the question is, what? I mean, what does it do for the internet and whether or not it increases the internet chaos? There, there's going to be riots. There's going to be cyber wars. All the while, <laughs> President Trump, although he claims to be the best hacker in the world, <laughs> I mean, he's a great hacker. Sometimes he gets betrayed by the police. He actually, he denied being betrayed by the police. Even oh though he clearly has. This is like wait oh it's, that's it's so really that was not it's, that was crazy. <laughs> that's just a conversation with me on most days. I know like, exactly. It's like anonymous cyber war, like U.S. Japan relations. Uh, <laughs> normally, I mean, you would want to throw in China or Russia there, but uh, I would say that that they did a pretty good that's job. That's pretty and, accurate. Uh, yeah, I'm, th I'm thinking about replacing you on the show. With, uh, <laughs> yeah, I with, don't blame you. You guy. literally. Yeah. You know, for a publication that's very good about labor rights, 
very good about highlighting labor rights. This is a, quite the ploy to replace one of your workers with a robot. Yeah, I mean that, that that's true, but uh, <laughs> you know the gains we're making in efficiency and, and <laughs> management—it's just—it's simply worth it. Yeah, tell me more about the deep fake. Like, what could this be used for? Is this just more so? Can we do it? Kind of striving for technology. Yeah, I mean, so what can we use uh, the Ben deepfake for? I'm not sure. I think mischief. that we could, yeah, we could do some mischief. We could like call up your friends and family and uh, maybe if the cell phone connection is bad and I can type fast enough, like we could have a conversation as you. But, you know, over the last like maybe two years, uh, audio deepfakes have become a thing. And I think that that's an important piece of the puzzle because if you are trying to make um, something look uh, real, like a video look real, the the voice was often off. Like the voice usually didn't sound very good. And so if you can also fake someone's voice, you can get a little bit closer to making something that is more realistic. Uh, so there's implications here for like special effects in movies and like indie movies and things like this. Uh, there's implications for art because you can do a lot of different things. And then um, in the cyber realm, we have seen uh, a couple of reports of social engineering using deepfakes. So using audio deepfakes. So someone will call up, uh, you know, someone at a uh, company and deepfake the voice of their CEO and say, hey, I need the login and password for XYZ. And then they use that uh, to obviously cause mayhem and steal money and stuff like that and there's only been like one or two instances of this happening but it is kind it's like it's happening um so there there is you know that possibility but i think right now like the nefarious uses are few and far between and the main uses are like you know things like this <laughs> art projects and stunts and yeah uh, like fun but i also think like i just think the, the so I would never, I'd never want to downplay the deep fakes. I definitely think there's like, a, there's definitely some deep fake, some deep fake, what do I, like paranoia. And I think it's like a little too overhyped, but at the same time, I mean, as this technology evolves, I mean, you just heard me like that was pretty, that, that like stream of consciousness was nuts. <laughs> like that was wild. It was like hitting my fucking mind, <laughs> but you know, like as a technology like this, progresses and gets better and those types of some of the some of the you know the 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 rough spots are smoothed out you know the ability to completely perfectly mimic someone's voice and in real time is pretty like that's that's pretty useful if you're you could do that you do a lot of nefarious things with that yeah so like once that gets to that point i mean it's it's going to be very useful it's going to cause it'll it'll cause problems for sure Yeah, uh, so the show next uh, by Fox, which has sponsored this episode, is about artificial intelligence and the uh, development of a super intelligent artificial intelligence. And I think one of the the cool things in that show is it kind of shows what happens when like Siri or Alexa goes wrong. And I think deepfakes, especially audio deepfakes, really up the ante for what's possible there because you have so many people all over the country and the world who are suddenly depending on these voice assistants and people are getting like used to talking to AI 
uh, and it's become very normal. And if you like right now, Siri and Alexa are basically like glorified search engines. Like they have lookup tables mm-hmm. where you say, Hey Siri, like what is, I, I, I like straight up don't use them for a reason that they, they freak. Yeah, me out a no, bit. exactly. And, and, and so you have like Siri and you're like, Hey Siri, like what's the temperature? And that's basically does like a glorified Google search. Uh, and then it speaks back and like the cool AI parts of that are basically like, the voice recognition and the lookup, uh, and then also the ability to make Siri sound more and more human. But like in Next, they basically put a they put like an intelligent artificial intelligence behind that, so the the actual thing is thinking for itself. And if you're able to do that, but then also imitate someone's voice, you have a scenario where unlike uh, here where we are just replacing like the defake Ben is, t- is saying whatever I'm typing. So it, it doesn't have any like thoughts of its own, although we did train it on, on your language too. So it did generate something and then set it, but that's not really like intelligence. That's, that's more of like copying, like predicting copying, pasting, but like in a very sophisticated way. Right. But like, uh, I guess what next explores and like what you have the possibility of is like, you have basically an artificial intelligence where you have, it's like thinking for itself and, and working, like doing, like working to its own means. Um, and so you're able to then have like, you know, a nefarious AI, uh, thinking for itself and speaking in your voice. And then, then we get to the part where we could really replace you on this show. And that would be very bad because we like the human Ben. Yeah. And also that just spells the end of humanity. Yeah. That too. More importantly. And it's usefulness. <laughs> yeah. More importantly. I mean, also shout outs to the show next. Uh, John Slattery is in it from Mad Men. Yeah. Huge Mad Men fan over here. Yeah. He is the main character and he plays like a benevolent slash like evil CEO tech CEO and that's like a great role for him I feel like he's very much like uh like he I feel like he could be definitely a I mean he's always like a scoundrel right like you hate him but you love him yeah I feel very comforted by him to be honest um but yes like I I think that he has like a very I mean I do too but I like feel comforted by scoundrels that's fair that's fair anyways uh this this episode (laughs) is sponsored by next so check that out on fox Okay. Okay. Then let's. We should do a sign off with like me saying bye. Yeah. What What do you usually say? Bye. Wow. Could it do that? <laughs> could AI deepfake Ben say bye? Let's see. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Cyber Ben Maku. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. 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 Uh, I, ben, I promise not to use <laughs> this for evil. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.